Hello, I'm Roger Baker, Executive Director of the Stratfor Center for Applied Geopolitics at RAIN. This podcast is brought to you by RAIN Worldview, the premier digital publication for objective geopolitical intelligence and analysis. Find out how RAIN can help you stay ahead of global events at RAINNetwork.com. There really is no reason to believe there would be any serious um, new side effects from these these new boosters. Welcome to the Rain Insights Podcast. I'm Emily Donahue. In today's podcast, the topic is COVID-19, new vaccines, and who should be taking them. Our host is David Lawrence, founder and chief collaborative officer of Rain, and Fred Southwick an infectious disease specialist at the University of Florida College of Medicine. Let's listen to what they have to say. We're going to begin uh, today. Uh, unfortunately, Bill this time uh, has been inundated with uh, some patient uh, issues. So we're going to start with Fred. And I may recall that uh, Fred was doing intake at his hospital. Uh, so hopefully uh, we'll have them both uh, available for our next uh, podcast. Uh, in any event, Fred, why don't we start with you, maybe a bit of a overview of where we are, what you're seeing, uh, but certainly topical will be the availability of these booster vaccines. What, can, what, what advice can you dispense? Right. Well, first of all, the, unfortunately, the BA5, um, along with the other Omicrons, uh, tends to escape the vaccine. In other words, the vaccine is not as effective and actually, we found among those elderly that are hospitalized, it does not protect against death. And so uh, the Omicron really was quite different antigenically. In other words, the things that presented the previous vaccines to the uh, original uh, strains and the Delta really do not uh, cover well the Omicron, which remember had over 50 mutations. So it had a lot of differences uh, in its structure. So that isn't unexpected. So I think everyone agrees that we need a booster that actually has the Omicron uh, variant in it. And that is what was just approved by the FDA and the CDC. And I think, it's, it's, I think it has been just been released. And so the question is, we all have is, when should you get this? I think there's no question in my mind, I am certainly going to get the booster. And I think everyone should. And I've talked to a number of people who have had uh, even uh, a total of four shots who have picked up the BA5 and felt pretty bad. I mean, they didn't get end up being hospitalized, but uh, they were symptomatically ill and felt uh, quite sick for two or three days. So I think it makes sense that we would uh, want to get a booster, um, and particularly those over age 60. I think there is, uh, it may be life-saving. So the question is the timing. Now we know that vaccine immunity from all the vaccines, they tend to wane, the uh, antibody levels tend to drop down between four and six months. Now, whether the cell-mated immunity persists, uh, there are some studies that suggest it does persist for a little bit longer. But I would say if you've had your last booster within four to six months, 
then you should uh, strongly consider getting the, the uh, this new booster that covers the Omicron as soon as possible. Uh, what a number of people are talking about, I think is a, a very reasonable idea, is to, uh, when you get your influenza vaccine, to get the uh, uh, Omicron booster as well. And uh, people are talking that up, that's more convenient to get both shots at one time. So I think that is a good plan. And I think in the next one to two months, pretty much everyone should strongly consider getting this this new booster. Fred, uh, great overview. I just wanted to um, unpack some of the points you made. Uh, early on, there had been a question whether one should have an influenza shot around the same time as a COVID vaccine. Um, any concerns? I think there had been some question that if you have a reaction, one might not be able to discern whether it was to the flu vaccine or, or to, you know, one of the COVID-related vaccines. Uh, but I just, you know, that, that's a question that's come up in the past, so I wanted to circle back on that point. Yeah, I, I, I agreed with that. Uh, but now uh, the recommendations are coming out in favor of the two. I still, it is true uh, that you wouldn't know which one you reacted to if you get them both. So, uh, you know, I uh, I think the safest bet, actually, and what I'm going to do, actually, is I'm going to get them separately within, yeah, give myself a week or two between them, at least. Um, that way, we will be, I'll be sure that uh, it's not a reaction to one. I'll know who, if I do get a reaction this severe, which I, it's highly unlikely I will because I've never had a problem with influenza vaccine. And I've now had four Pfizer and one uh, Moderna uh, mRNA vaccine. And I've had no significant side effects to any of them other than a little bit of a sore arm. So I'm not too worried for myself. And the influenza vaccine, I've never had a significant side effect. So I think if, if you tend to be uh, more allergic to these vaccines, then you should separate them. If you've tolerated both vaccines in the past, and there's un, it's unlikely you'll get a, a side, significant side effect, uh, then uh, it's reasonable to do them both. And that, that is one of the recommendations now. And uh, again, again uh, makes complete sense. Uh, you also were highlighting the importance of uh, the Omicron vaccine for the elderly. And uh, I just thought it might be helpful from a medical perspective and your perspective uh, as one of the leaders in infectious diseases. Uh, how does one begin to think who's elderly and who is not? Well, um, you know, 65 is considered, over 65 is considered elderly, but uh, the physiology uh, of different people some people are 65 and really going on 50. Others are 65 going on 80. And so it depends on your underlying health conditions and how physically fit you are and whether you've been unlucky and had some illnesses along the way that have uh, compromised your immune system. So I, 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 if there's any doubt, if you're 65 or older, you should certainly uh, get the vaccine. What we, we've seen, and we're, we did a series that we're working on publishing uh, from, from the University of Florida. And we've, what we found is that with the, uh, 
we saw all BA1, which is the first Omicron variant, that uh, although the number of people, the percentage of infected that got hospitalized was lower, among those 65 years and older, if they were hospitalized, that their mortality was actually higher than with the Delta variant. And we found that the vaccine was not protective if you were sick enough to be hospitalized. And that was in most of those patients were actually 70 to 85. But so that we do know as you get older, your immune system does weaken. It doesn't respond as vigorously. And so that's and different people with different degrees. And then, of course, anyone who's taking uh, agents that blunt the immune system, a lot of uh, patients with rheumatoid arthritis are now on various cytokine inhibitors, uh, individuals with inflammatory bowel disease, those that have transplants, they're all at much higher risk of severe disease, and they should certainly uh, get the booster as soon as possible. What I'm hearing you say is um, if you have pre-existing conditions, if you're 65 or older, um, this is uh, more of a must-have because unlike um, the original you know, version of COVID, Omicron does pose some heightened risks of for hospitalization and worse. And so I seem to be hearing that this is actually a very, very important booster and a very important targeted vaccine. Yeah, David, exactly. The, the one good thing we have, uh, one, what I call ace in the hole that we didn't have before. We have Paxlovid. And so if you're unlucky enough, you haven't gotten the booster yet, and you're unlucky enough to get the BA5, um, if you're in those same categories, you should immediately uh, get a Paxlovid, and it, it reduces hospitalizations by over 80%. So uh, that's turned out to be very effective and is another important armamentarium that, that, that really, I think, has saved a lot of lives. And um, because this will come up um, and look, as the nation reopens and, you know, I'm seeing fewer and fewer, if any, masks spread, and you're certainly seeing um, crowd gatherings, uh, concerts, people flying, people on trains, people at, you know, sporting events and things like that. Uh, easy to become complacent um, because there has been a great deal of success with the original vaccines. Um, but as we think about uh, this booster, um, is a general advice recognizing that, you know, a certain age demographic or pre-existing conditions is especially important. Uh, but how do you think about otherwise healthy individuals and also uh, kids in um, high school, the grade school, and also the universities? Well, well one of the big problems is uh, we can't regard our individual risk is the only reason for getting the vaccine. If you are going to come in contact with a grandparent who's older, um, if you're going to work with the elderly, uh, older individuals, 
I think you should be uh, conscious of that and uh, want to get the vaccine to protect them and recognize that it will protect you a little, but it won't be uh, a major uh, shift because you're at relatively low risk of developing severe disease. But the other thing to keep in mind is um, you have to be out of school or out of work for a very significant period of time if you pick up the BA5. What I've been talking to various people and and reading, uh, the BA5 seems to persist if you follow the antigen, which is a surrogate marker for live uh, virus, as compared to the PCR, which the RNA can be excreted uh, even when the virus is dead for prolonged periods of time. So you should never follow the illness to determine whether you're infectious using PCR. You should use the antigen test. But uh, in several cases I know, individuals stayed positive for 20 days uh, before they were able to go back to being uh, in in normal environments without uh, fear of spreading it to others. So that's another major element. You don't want to be out of school for 14 days, out of work for 14 days. And if you get the if you get this booster vaccine, we don't know for sure yet, but it's highly likely that you will uh, you will be protected from actually getting symptomatic disease at all, or for carrying the virus for very long. The other question that comes up, and it's it's a persistent one: uh, Are there any reasons not to take the vaccine? And do you feel it's been tested enough, studied enough? Uh, I've it's always dangerous, Fred, when um, non-physicians delve into the uh, some of the readings and the research. But my understanding is that with some of the new var- variant vaccines, they they were have not been tested as thoroughly with humans uh, as uh, the original vaccines were, um, and that's not to say that they need to be because the science has evolved. But do you have any concerns? Are you looking at certain data? Um, what can you share with the audience? Yeah, I, I have uh, literally no concern in, in this area because uh, very much like the influenza vaccine where you di- you have different antigenic targets depending on the strains that are going to be prevalent, uh, you don't have to go through a giant trial for that. It's really the vehicle, the way the, the, the vaccine is manufactured is really the key here. And we're going to manufacture with the mRNA. We're just changing some of the codes to generate uh, different amino acids that uh, will be more effective against Omicron. So there really is no reason to believe there would be any uh, serious uh, new side effects from these these new uh, boosters. And as I've said many times before, the mRNA vaccines are among the very safest we have ever had. And unfortunately, people have tried to drum up uh, evidence against it. But one of the problems is when a huge number of people all get the vaccine, some of them are going to get sick for other reasons. Some of them are going to have some autoimmune disease or some disorder uh, for other reasons, and they will they will blame it on, on the vaccine. The, and the only way you can really prove whether it's the vaccine is you have to do a very controlled uh, statistical analysis, which the CDC has been doing all along, and the drug companies have been doing all along, and they just, other than the myocarditis, 
in young males, really uh, nothing else has come up. And that's really quite remarkable. Somewhat axiomatic, if I can use that term, Fred, uh, rather than uh, ask an expert uh, what you should be doing, ask the expert what he or she is going to be doing or what he or she is going to be doing with their family. And I'm hearing you say very clearly, uh, you will be taking the vaccine and you have no reservations. That's exactly right, David. I really don't. And and also the other thing I would point out is I just got uh, finished traveling to Boston. I wore a mask the entire time. And I still think, and you're in public gatherings, that you're uh, wisest to wear an N95 or a KN95 mask uh, because the virus is still out there and people are getting it. Um, and I can tell you in our hospital, unfortunately, you can't uh, really, uh, the PCR is not being used as much. In fact, I think in Florida, the positivity rate among RT-PCR tests is 25%. That means one of, out of four people that get tested is positive. That means that very uh, not enough testing is being done and we're missing huge numbers of cases. And the other thing is, as you know, everybody's doing the home antigen test. They don't report that to the public health. So our estimate of cases is woefully deficient at this point. So the only thing that really helps you decide whether the activity is down is to look at the number of patients of COVID, uh, number of patients hospitalized for COVID-19. And I can tell you on our sampling of our hospital service, we were up at 70, 80. We, we went down to 40. We plateaued to 40 for about three weeks. And we dropped down to about 15, but now we're plateaued again at 30. So that tells you there's a moderate degree of activity, at least in northern Florida. And uh, people, uh, if you're in a large, uh, large uh, public setting with any kind of closed ventilation, uh, you, are, you are at risk. And I'll just underscore another point uh, you made as, as you know, as part of your analysis, which is the reason for taking the vaccines and boosting, you know, your immunities is not simply for self-protection, but for the protection of others and people you come into contact with. Um, Fred, I will resist the temptation to say the reason you wore the mask in your trip to Boston was because of the Red Sox fans. Uh, I say that. I'm a, I say, Red, I'm a, I'm a Red Sox fan. <laughs> oh, man. Okay. Being from, being from New York, I'll, I'll, I'm going to hold my tongue, but I think people can, can guess I have certain loyalties here. Okay. Anyway. All right. Last uh, question is, uh, is there going to be an issue around supply? I don't think so. You know, the two companies... Uh, Pfizer and Moderna have really have have got their supply chains very effectively running those. So they're the only problem I foresee if if a, a certain government as as happened actually in Florida with the uh, vaccine for kids five and under uh, decides not to distribute it or or not to help distribute it, there could be a modest problem. But I do think that the uh, the pharmacies have now got this system down. Uh, the hospitals have the system down. So I, I think it will be available and, and people can get it. And it'll be relatively convenient. Fred, once again, uh, thanks 
for not only spending the time with us, but obviously staying so close to this important issue I know you have. And uh, obviously some of the work that you're doing with researchers and, and the academic journals, hugely important. Thank you again for the time. We'll be speaking in a couple of weeks. Right. Thank you, David. Fred Southwick is an infectious disease expert at the University of Florida College of Medicine. David Lawrence is the founder and chief collaboration officer at RAIN. RAIN is a global risk intelligence company that provides risk and security professionals with access to critical insights, analysis, and support, enabling them to more effectively anticipate, monitor, and respond to emerging risks and threats. RAIN clients benefit from improved situational awareness, more efficient access to relevant intelligence and expertise, and of course, better risk management outcomes. Join the millions who are tapping into the collective wisdom of the world's largest community of risk and business professionals. Find out about RAIN at rainnetwork.com. R-A-N-E-Network.com. I'm Emily Donahue, and I thank you for listening. <music>